Avast, ye, and welcome to the Gay Pirate Podcast, where two queer IRL pirates talk about Our Flag Means Death, one episode at a time. I'm Lark Malachi Gray, and it's important that you know how much I did not see. And I am Jesse Blount, and I resemble a sharp carrot. <laughs> I think you look more like a harpsichord, personally. <laughs> So, we are talking about episode two, A Damned Man, in which we start off with Black Pete telling the crew a totally not at all self-insert fan fiction about raiding a stereotypical French ship with Blackbeard, who can totally make smoke come from his head and has glowing eyes. No one believes him but Steed, but everyone is still listening, and no one is steering the ship, so they run aground. Whoops. Steed is feeling a lot of guilt about having manslaughtered badminton and is imagining being haunted by him. With the ship stranded, Steed suggests to take this time off as a vacation, something his very much working class crew is having a hard time envisioning. To be honest, so is Steed, and he asks Alawande and Jim for some advice about how to emotionally deal with killing, and spoiler alert, you kind of can't. Some distraction comes in the way of having to find the escaped hostages on this island, so Steed, Alawande, and Black Pete are on the case. Unfortunately, they get captured by some indigenous folks, like, immediately. Back on the beach, Lucy's cannot handle everyone being very loud and leaves, and we get our first sighting of Izzy and the gang. Jim's over being fucking sweaty and gross for their disguise, and risks discovery bathing in the ocean. Back in the island's interior, Steve and Black Pete have been shoved in a small cage, so and so have the British hostages, while Alawande lets them know that since white people stay trying to murder indigenous folks, they're on trial, with the chief, even if it wasn't them specifically. Lucia stumbles across Jim, sans disguise, and now Jim's gotta take care of the situation. Figure quotations take care of. Steve, <laughs> Steve Black Pete and the British are on trial for being colonizers, and Chief Mabo is not here for their white lies about, quote unquote, not being colonizers. Steed cracks under the pressure having killed a man, but Olawande smooths everything over by telling the truth about Steed. Steed, meanwhile, gets some therapy from an elder indigenous man that under that under his guilt about badminton is really the guilt about ghosting his family and his inadequacies as a pirate. Which is warranted because Chief Mambo lets them know that they are free to go because they are, in fact, mediocre pirates. And that they still got to make a little cash off this transaction because they, in fact, sell the British hostages to Izzy. Steed is going to get them back, though. Back on the beach, Lucius is trying real hard not to get murdered by Jim by being like, as a gay man, understand the struggle. Back to Steed, he actually manages to get one hostage back via deception, and the crew work on pushing the ship back to sea. Although one gets to tell this elder about his huge crush on Jim, finally, someone to talk to, Steed gets to leave some of his guilt on land, Lucius gets got by Jim, and Blackbeard is on the tail of the revenge. Yes. All right. So before we get into it, don't forget to come to our Patreon and celebrate Hot Pirate Summer with us. We are on patreon.com slash thegaylyprofit. You can also follow us on social media for our Flag Means Death memes and silly art at thegaylyprofit on Instagram and Twitter. It's real fun. Do it. Keep an eye on our shop for our exclusive uh, Gay Pirate Podcast sticker. Yeah, we have stickers and shirts available with the show logo and more Our Flag Means Death inspired merch 
on its way. In fact, <laughs> an artist who's designing something for us was texting me <laughs> updates just as we started recording. That's so exciting. This is a surprise for me also, everyone. So I'm I very... love surprising me with things. <laughs> <laughs> it's like half of the joy of this podcast or of making podcasts <laughs> with you is that I get to be like, look what I made happen. <laughs> I'm always very excited. Yeah. You should leave us a five-star review or a written review so people can also know that this is a quality awesome podcast yeah you only have 10 weeks to get us up there in the ratings so like don't be like oh i'll do it next week do it now right now leave us a five-star review and be like wow these people are so funny and great they have (laughs) such good takes okay (laughs) all right so with that this is a fully spoiled podcast and we are going to enter our first segment talk it through as a crew where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. So my first thing actually is about the last episode. It's something that I realized after we recorded when I was thinking about Steed is like really actually wanting to be more of a summer camp counselor than a pirate. I realized he stole books from his children (laughs) to bring with him to read to the lost boys that he collected to be on his ship with him. He sure did. I, th- I mean, that sucks probably for his kids, but I think that's adorable. I was like, wait, why would he have Pinocchio on this ship if his goal wasn't reading out loud to the Lost Boys? I, but it was. I love how this is seriously a thing that when Steve was dr- daydreaming about being a pirate, he was like, and then we can all gather on the deck and I can read to all, to all my crew. It'll be so great. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Steve, how are you... <laughs> <laughs> how how have you still maintained this level of joy through all of the through all the intense bullying and unhappiness that you faced it's really incredible he's so pure i know i love it um my first thing is uh during black pete's story i feel like with the scarf that he has around his neck and the like dark jacket I feel like he looks very similar to Smee from the movie Hook. <laughs> yeah, I see it. And it just makes me laugh. He, I like that he, okay, I guess whatever. This is kind of a uh, crew of imbeciles point, but I really appreciate that he tells this story in which he like makes himself physically look cooler. Like he puts on eyeliner, he puts on this scarf, like, pirate bandana um he wears he's wearing black and leather and it's like you know that you could do like that's optional you could do that now if you wanted to if that makes you feel good you can wear eyeliner any old time you want even if you're not gonna leave your house that day i speak from experience (laughs) i put on full drag eye makeup every morning who sees me jesse through the computer and my partner that's it so like why why not? If that makes you feel, like, hot and powerful, why isn't he doing this every day? That is an excellent question. Steve clearly hasn't stopped at the port that has the pirate Sephora yet. <laughs> yeah, he's going to stock up on eyeliner when they visit the Republic of Pirates. Exactly. <laughs> Go to the gift shop. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Um, I guess staying on things that people are wearing, I love the way that the um that the French sailors are dressed in 
Beat story. It's so stereotypical. It's one of my trying to explain what a vacation is it just really strongly strongly reminded me of the infamous quote from Downton Abbey where Maggie Smith is like what is a weekend (laughs) but the more working class version of this everyone's like leisure like unwinding I don't understand the words that you're telling me Steve (laughs) yeah yeah um just a little appreciation for the alliteration that Steve creates for his phantom bully to use against him. Little baby bonnet broke, broke his little baby boat on the big bad beach. Like, it's great no matter what, but realizing that, like, this is all coming from Steed, like, he made up this rhyme to make fun of himself, and I think that makes it better. <laughs> Yeah, you were so correct. <laughs> uh, when Day and Black Pete are fighting, and one of Black Pete's insults is that Olawande has a baby face, I'm like, no, that is 110% true. <laughs> Sorry, my dude, but you do have a baby face. He does. <laughs> I mean, it comes with being queer is what I have to say, and Oluwande should just embrace it because there's nothing that he can do about it. I know. I mean, really, the only thing missing from that argument was for them to be, like, slapping each other. I know. They're Steed's, like, disobedient children in that scene just who just won't stop picking at each other. They're so funny. Yes. Okay. Um, I really love that Steed, I think, as you put it in the description like get some therapy from this dude in general it's great but the fact that this man talks like yoda just makes it so much fun i'm glad that you picked that up because i was like sitting there on my second rewatch and i'm like that dude is purposefully speaking like he's yoda correct <laughs> like, yes. That, is yes. <laughs> that has got to be on um I just love the foreshadowing that we get in this episode where Steed is like, Black Pete, how would Blackbeard, you know, process murdering people? And it's like, huh, good thing we find that out. Huh? <laughs> Funny story about that, Steve. <laughs> he strongly recommends crying in a bathtub. I mean, and it's a good place to process your feelings. I also encourage it, yes. Um... For whatever reason, I, every single time I've watched this episode, am just so tickled by the part where Izzy sends Ivan to go check out the ghost of the forest, and he starts off by going, Oi, it's an island, not a forest. (laughs) (laughs) And also it's like, can't we have both? Can't you have a forest on an island? I like the idea of Ivan being a weird stickler for geography. I don't know why. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Speaking of things that are clearly rip off of other movies, when 
Buttons starts just randomly naming off sea creatures. You cannot convince me that that is not an homage slash ripped off the scene in Best in Show where the dude with the bloodhound just starts like naming off all the kinds of nuts as a thing that he does just randomly. As always, I haven't seen the thing that you're referencing, but I believe that you are correct. I know. I know. (laughs) I know. I'll watch it. I promise. Anyway, it's very funny and very weird. Just like buttons. So. (laughs) Sounds correct. Um, All right. Last thing in this section for me is that I just appreciate that when they do this hostage compromise, they keep what I am calling the nice hostage. (laughs) It just makes sense to me. The one who's like just constantly being mean to Steed. They're like, yeah, you go with these pirates. And the one who's like says that Steed has the eyes of a madman and then immediately apologizes. It's like, obviously, this is the hostage that you want to keep on your boat with you. I like didn't realize that because and you are correct um, because both of those dudes look very similar. And I'm just like, one is tall. One's very much taller than the other. They keep the tall one. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. Steed is I like, feel like they, sorry. Steed is like, I want them to realize they got the mean one, so we're gonna just go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was gonna say I feel like when they cast the the two people that play the hostages, they must have intentionally been looking for one tall one and one short one just for the scene where they're tied to the mast and they're sleeping and the one has his head on the other <laughs> shoulder and the other has his head on the, the shorter one's head because it's so cute. <laughs> yeah, Ugh, that sounds as uncomfortable as trying to sleep in a fucking Spirit Airlines seat. Yep. Maybe more comfortable. Welcome to A Brigade of Imbeciles, where we talk about character development. You're first. Uh, let's start with Steed. Let's do it. I appreciate that he has a, like, mini therapy revelation during this episode, and that he, he feels all this insecurity and guilt, and while he is still obviously carrying a lot of that a lot, uh, with him, that he actually manages to be like, I'm going to consciously leave this manifestation of my insecurity and guilt on this island and like move on with my life. Mm-hmm. And it's just really nice. I don't know. Um, even if I initially was very grossed out with the like sword, like him walking around with Steve with the sword in his eye. And I'm like, oh, I don't know why I really like it. <laughs> like it, it is, it is excellent. For the show, I just, I damage stuff is just one of those things that just like grosses me out. <laughs> oh, interesting. All right. I can handle a lot of weird gore, but I'm like, when I first saw this episode, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it also, but it also just like makes sense for him to have this like, you know, looking in the face of his own, what he considers his mistake. Right. Even though Badman totally had it coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and none of us felt bad about that but steed which is great because he's just so tender still yeah that's actually one of my things is that i'm just i'm so glad that when he's you know this the, the therapist is like do you feel bad that he's dead steed straight up is like no i don't he sucked like i love that for him <laughs> i'm just so pleased that he's able to 
name that and be like, actually, I'm just projecting because I feel bad that I abandoned my children. Because, I mean, no one quote unquote deserves to die, whatever, whatever. But, you know, it's a TV show. And if we can't have catharsis there, where can we have it? And I'm fucking glad that Nigel Badminton is dead. Um, Especially in 2022, I would like to see more uh, douchebag colonizers stabbed in the eye. I don't, it's just, I mean, basically he's a cop. And I enjoy watching a, a token of the uh, colonialism and patriarchy and someone who's just a, just such an asshole get what he deserves, which is yeah. the find out part of Fuck Around and Find Out. Exactly. Yeah. If people want to hear us talk about this more, we have a whole episode on our Patreon about the Birds of Prey movie in which lots of cops get shot with glitter guns it's very in line with um the vibe of this show so if you also want to feel good and have queer content you should definitely watch the birds of prey <laughs> yep do it right now uh okay so I, I have some more steed things do you have more steed things too i don't but i'm excited to hear about your steed things okay uh i just love how naive he is i think it's very charming and i just his enthusiasm his just like effervescent enthusiasm about black pete's blackbeard story is so charming um it just makes me really happy and his shock his shock when olawande is like you are the only person who <laughs> believes this <laughs> he's just like what <laughs> um and then just the the creation in this episode of the gentleman pirate, you know, this role that he creates for himself and steps into, um, you know, is a is a gift from his therapist, which also I really love. I feel like this is um, the 1717 version of like, you know, tweeting your therapy revelations of the day, you know, Steve's exactly. like, great therapy session, all new me. Let's go. I mean, yeah, I love it. And as someone who, of course, also personally loves when people tweet their therapy uh, revelation so I can be like, oh, no, I didn't realize that was a thing that I needed. Yeah. Thanks, Internet. (laughs) It's, yeah. I also, yeah, he like narrates his, you know, journaling when he gets home entry. Why can't one be a gentleman and a pirate? And then he's like, oh, I figured it out. My new identity. And you're like, yes, Steed. Uh, R.I.P. Steed Bonnet, you would have loved Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Steed Bonnet basically has Instagram now. (laughs) The Instagram he always dreamed of. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's all like flowers and textiles and like therapy revelations. (laughs) Yep. And photos and like really enthusiastic photos of his friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Who would you like to talk about next? Um, do you want to talk about Jim? That's who I have next. I sure do. I guess first off, I just want to mention. I just want to point out that even though we don't get the sort of full gist of Jim's deal until next episode and a couple of episodes after that, I really appreciate we getting this glimpse of them basically telling Steed that like you don't really get over murdering and I think it actually really puts a kind of like like a bit of a sadder spin on on their sort of rolling rampage of revenge which is that like do you think that you're dead inside and unlovable because you are not Jim 
And I, ha- I haven't rewatched the episode where we were like, Jim goes back home and with their grandma and stuff. But because we, I mean, we see them in, in their full element next episode. But I just kind of like this moment where it's like, I don't know if we get them reflecting on sort of what they are doing right now in their lives until like much later in the season. Yeah. I feel like that's a really good point. Like, I feel like where Jim would end up with, you know, their own therapy would be, you know, okay, when you kill, you die as well. But like, how do you integrate that into who you are moving forward? Because they really do, you know, they go back on their revenge thing because their Nana pushes them to. But when we see them talking to Spanish Jackie, they're like, this is what I want. I want them to feel the pain that they made me feel. So it's clear that they're not only carrying guilt about it. They're also genuinely carrying, like, a desire for revenge. And a fucked out of childhood trauma of watching their family being murdered in front of them. And their brain just, like, totally, like, you don't have access to that memory anymore. (laughs) Also, growing up with their grandmother, like, very, I mean, holy shit, the amount of therapy that you would need to deal with being brought up to be a killing machine um, is a lot. But that's for episode seven, I think. Um, I don't want to move on from Jim before we talk about the part where they throw a knife at a cockroach. (laughs) That's this episode, right? It sure is. That's so amazing. And they're writing in their journal. Yeah. Just incredible. Yeah, the pre- the precision of that is... Yeah. It's awesome. I feel like it's a Karate Kid reference also. <laughs> I'm just realizing. It's been a real long time since I've seen the Karate Kid, but so I don't remember it at all. So I'll take your word for it. I feel like one of the big things of like your training is done in the Karate Kid is when the kid can catch a fly with a pair of chopsticks. Like, that's the... You've mastered. Okay, that sounds to me like like something I've seen also just via osmosis in pop culture, so... Yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense to me. Cool. Um, I wanted to do a little bit of follow-up on our Black Pete conversation from last episode. Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about our conversation about like fire sign energy versus toxic masculinity. And the longer I sit with it, the more I want to say that it's not toxic masculinity. Okay. I think because here's what I think, because I don't think that there is any like internalized homophobia with Pete and he doesn't really change once him and Lucius get together. I think this is just who he is, is like full of bullshit and like hot air and that like really his, you know, fighty sort of bullshit energy is mostly just about like he wants to be a pirate and they're just like playing backgammon. What is this racquetball? Whatever game they're playing, tennis on under the ship and like jamming out and like playing cards and he just like is kind of a jerk and can't sit still like this feels much more like he's just just an Aries than it is like (laughs) you know it was more butch on Blackbeard's ship is really just him being like I signed up to kill stuff I want to kill stuff 
I really like this interpretation because I was also thinking about our conversation from last episode here just because we see more of Black Pete also in this episode as sort of the, I want to say the foil, but I don't remember if that is the correct. Mm-hmm. Like him and Alawande are arguing at each other like siblings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's very much like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, feel as like trying to be more butch as much as him just trying to be right yeah and i feel and it's like kind of giving me like baby of the family energy yeah and like enjoying fighting i think is part of it too yeah i think that oluwande is clearly an earth sign so it also makes sense to me that like that's how they would argue you know and that they would like butt heads that way I'm like, is Alawande the only Earth sign on this ship? I don't know. It's possible. I don't have a solid read on everyone in terms of Zodiac signs. But of the ones that I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on with you. I think he is the only one that I'm like, you're... I Most of the time I want to say Virgo. This episode, he feels too chill to be a Virgo. But, you know, maybe this is just like, he's kind of drunk for like most... <laughs> Most of the time that he's chill, so. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I hope those uh, pina coladas were strong, so. <laughs> I feel like they were. Do you want to slide into talking about Oluwande? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's just, like, so funny when he's, like, just tipsy and talking to them. <laughs> yeah, this is also kind of big only man on a Muppets crew again. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, he's just, like, going with the flow, and just, like, (laughs) once they go back to these, like, folks' village, and he's just like, oh, yeah, sorry, I guess you can't chill with me, too bad, uh, hope this trial goes good, I'm gonna continue, I'm gonna go back to the bar over here. (laughs) Yeah, I can't, like, the part... Where he's like, I'm sure it's a formality. And the dude's like, no. And he's like, nope, sorry. It isn't a formality. The way that he delivers that line every single time brings me so much joy. It's so nonchalant. And he's just like, whatever. I also wonder if part of it is like, some pirates drink. We're going to assume that they drink on this ship. But maybe it's, maybe we're also seeing Alawande at this point who is, free of some anxieties mainly potentially everyone finding out about Jim you know and being like we're on this island it's just us and these folks that live here probably not Spanish Jackie trying to kill us this is great I'm just gonna be real I'm gonna enjoy this vacation (laughs) yeah yeah with an added sprinkle of like oh you have a crush yeah (laughs) which I deeply I deeply love just so much yeah um who do you have next oh i only i only had steve jim and alawande okay gotta mention just we got our buttons wanting to eat people reference of the episode so (laughs) keeping tabs you know Uh, i guess he's he's an old pirate i guess he's just seen some shit i guess and eaten some people yep I mean, it's a a thing that he's into, for sure. (laughs) 
Um, and then I want to talk about Lucius because we get some very relevant um, information here. So we get that he's canonically gay, which is great. Also, the line, not all beards are actual beards. <laughs> from, like, you know, I... I feel like the ways that this show incorporates modern day things is a form of breaking the fourth wall without actually breaking the fourth wall. Uh, but this line definitely feels a little fourth wall breaky to me, where it's like, no one was talking about, you know, beards, like that kind of beards in 1717, but like, it makes perfect sense and is so wonderful to have Lucius deliver this line. Yeah, that was actually almost my intro for today's episode. I usually make <laughs> I usually make a list of lines and then I just pick one like before mm-hmm. when we start. And I was because like you're right. Um, and just and this is like kind of one of the joys of the show where it's like because they're not beholden to any sort of historical accuracy at this point, you can have these incredible lines of him saying that and then being like. Oh, you're that kind of gay, which is, it just is great. You know, we don't have to get a bunch of, what do people call queer people in like the 1770s? It's like, no, fuck that. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, because honestly, if they had used like Molly, which I think was one that was used a lot, then, you know, we all would have had to like use context clues, you know, and it doesn't matter. And it's more fun if they use the words that we use now. And it's more fun. And I think it also gives us sort of a broad stroke idea of Lucius's background, which is no woman's son, realized early he was gay, decided he didn't want to have to be in arranged marriage and like peace out to become a pirate or maybe something else and then become a pirate. Who knows? Right. And that's a question that I wanted to ask you because I mean, having a beard is like being in a relationship. Do you think that Lucius was at some point like engaged to a lesbian and they were like each other's beards for a while before he was like actually i can't go through with this oh that'd be so great uh yeah right? I, mean, I definitely think he was in some kind of relationship before he was just like fuck it and like ran i love the idea of it being another lesbian of it being like i guess we're each other's beards and then he's like oh actually i do not want this to be my life which now that i said that out loud i realized that then there we get this extra layer in the show where you have Lucius, the youngest member of the crew, as far as we know. Like, let's just estimate somewhere in his 20s. Who is like, I'm just gonna be gay and live my life. Compared to Steed, who is coming out later in life, as it were. And like, lived that life that Lucius was definitely like, actually, that sounds fucking garbage. I'm out. And like, what a familiar queer narrative that is. I feel Mm -hmm. like when it comes to elders in the queer community, which is like people who are like, didn't realize I was, I was queer or trans until like my forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, you know? Cause I just, there wasn't, I didn't realize there wasn't a place like, you know, fear, class issues, what have you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why Steve likes him is being like, Oh, you did it. You got out, you know, even if, Steed is, I guess it's kind of hard to say how much of his own, of him realizing his dissatisfaction with his life is that he's gay. 
But I think he would still recognize in Lucius someone who was like, that life isn't for me. I'm not about to live this lie for like 20 years, you know, or right. 10 years or whatever, whatever, you know. Right. I'm curious about you saying that he's the youngest member of the crew, because I feel like visually to me, like him and Frenchie and Oluwande seem sort of like in the same age oh, category. Oh, I, I only say that because we get the line from Buttons that Lucius is the youngest of the crew and that they, they, they shoot him first. Well, he says he's young and succulent. So. Yeah. All right. Welcome to Do You Fancy a Fine Fabric, where we talk about aesthetics. I am obsessed with Steed's salmon-colored embroidered waistcoat and the lavender breeches that he wears that look like they're velvet that he's wearing when he's trying to push the boat out (laughs) out to sea. Um, it's 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 an excellent color combination that I would definitely want to rock, so I just... I just love it. I love everything about it. Yeah, that man really knows how to mix pastels. You know? I am deeply inspired, honestly, in this past. I'm like, like, I need more pastels. I look excellent (laughs) in pastel. I'm like, ugh. (laughs) Yeah, I only wear one color, but um, Evan wears a lot of... He only does blue and pink, though. I feel like... This is kind of like, oh, should you integrate more lavender? I feel like should we, we all? I feel like he would look great in a lavender. I think so, too. He is a little bit limited to what they sell in the Target children's section, because that's where all of his t-shirts come that's, from. Uh, I love that. I feel like I saw a really good pride shirt at Target from the Target kids section. And it's like, oh, why isn't this in a bigger size? Anyway. Anyway, indeed. All right. Um, do you think that... Blackbeard has a dress code for his crew. (laughs) (laughs) Is that dress code hot topic mixed with a motorcycle shop? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yes, I think so too. If not officially, then possibly through peer hazing. Is there an unofficial dress code? I like to think that it's just official. I think that just makes me happier to be like... All right, welcome aboard. We're going to have to throw all of your colorful clothes overboard. Here's your, like, trunk of leather. (laughs) Wait, can you imagine Ed lounging, I want to say bisexually, on the, like, rail of a ship, and he's, like, going through someone's trunk. Is like, nope, too colorful. Why why do you even have white? Just throw it, just, like, throwing it over the, into the ocean. Mm -hmm. While this person is just, like... (laughs) My mom made that. I don't know. It just, it, it makes me laugh and it feels like something that would happen in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what happens. I think that's correct. Yeah. And now that I think that Ed is bisexual, but I just think that he sits bisexually. Yeah. That makes, <laughs> that, that tracks. Um, I just want to point out that Black Pete is wearing what appears to be a limited palette rainbow stripe pants. Those pants are so great. They're also on my list with many exclamation marks. <laughs> There's, and I don't know if he was wearing it last episode, but he's wearing them now. And I'm just like, oh my God, those are so perfect. <laughs> yeah, they are truly incredible pants. My next aesthetic point is just Ivan. His outfit is my favorite that anyone has worn so far. Also, his 
half shave with the fucking crescent moon tattoo on his skull. Like, this man is so attractive and everything that he's doing is just working for me very well. Yeah, he looks like a black goth. And I'm here for that as someone who loves black goths and punks. Um, yeah, because I feel like especially with the with his dreads half hanging in his face, it's like very emo. And I'm like, my dude. <laughs> it is um, what I am looking for in my fictional men, for sure. Ivan looks like he listens to a lot of the Smiths. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no can we give him something cooler all right i know i mean the smiths are fine i just now associate them with the mage from the simon oh, snow no, series too right. heavily <laughs> so we have to pick a different band <laughs> like i now feel like saying someone looks like they listen to the smiths is like an insult <laughs> so... uh, okay what about he listens to some like a lot of bop house and uh the cure uh, maybe some Depeche Mode if he's feeling frisky. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. Yeah. No. Yeah, Ivan is like the black goth of my dreams. <laughs> I'm so sad that that actor isn't coming back for season two. No! I know. <sighs> yeah, that is deeply upsetting. Yeah. Maybe they can bring him back for season three. I mean, it sounds like it was his choice to oh, I guess not come back. back. Yeah. I don't know that much about it. I just know that he tweeted that, like, it was a super fun time, but he's not going to come back. So I guess that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, what do you have next? Okay. When Lucius is not wearing his curtains coat, he looks like he's wearing a, like, dirty H&M long long sleeve. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which I say because I'm pretty sure I had a, like, off-purple stripe long sleeve shirt from H&M, like, 12 years ago. That shirt also could be from Hot Topic, to be honest. That's also true. I feel like Lucius feels more H&M than Hot Topic, I guess, in my brain. (laughs) Definitely. They are often next to each other or across the street from each other in a mall. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of crossover appeal. There is a lot of crossover. Yeah. Yeah, I love that shirt. Yeah, me too. It's a really good shirt. Uh, My last thing is the codpiece on Black Pete's version of Blackbeard. <laughs> it is very intense. <laughs> the the intense codpiece next to the whole skull hanging off of his belt. <laughs> so much. Ugh. Now that was some straight from the run fair shit right there. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Stark Revelations, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Uh, I'm going to start off light. Uh, I just want to point out that the idea of leisure is, I mean, historically been for the, for like rich people. And just, it's just really funny for Steve to be like, a vacation, you know, leisure time to do hobbies. And everyone's like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Um, the weekend has not been invented yet, Steed. So everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's true. Insert insert union plug right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We need to get back strong unions so that we can fight for a four-day, 30-hour work week. Hell yeah. AKA the, at least in my mind, the ideal work week. 
Yeah, not just in your mind, also according to peer-reviewed scientific studies. So anyway, I also want to start light um, ish, but I just think that so the chief is like, have any of you killed anyone recently? And this, the mean Navy officer is like, he has, like, he killed our captain. And I was like, I don't think you thought that through. Because I actually think that is a point in Steed's favor in this situation. Yeah, it's like, that is actually exactly what these indigenous folks want, which is less British naval officers colonizing the whole goddamn ocean. Yeah, because Steed's like, we're pirates. And they're like, yeah, we've heard that before. And then this dude's like, they killed our captain. And it's like, oh, they are pirates. <laughs> like, you just backed up their claim, man. <laughs> not, uh, not really well thought out. Also, I just realized, because I, I, every time I've watched it, I've been like, why did they just, like, sell these hostages to Izzy? And I'm like, oh, because they are visually pirates. Like, you don't have to ask if they're actually pirates. Like, these three men are so obviously pirates that you don't need to worry about it. I know. Yeah. And our first taste of uh, potentially unwise leatherwear in the tropics. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, you're not going to be mistaken for anything but a pirate looking like that. Right. Yeah. Izzy Hands is a pirate. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what do you have next? Um, okay, so I deeply appreciate that in general, in this episode, the indigenous people don't act like stereotypical indigenous people, like the roles that indigenous people play in like television and movies generally Mm -hmm. like they're not like mysterious and magical it's like we have very reasonable demands we don't want you fucking here because of genocide and then and then like that bit where (laughs) pete and steed are freaking out because they think that the indigenous people cook to the british soldiers and then their uh guard is like oh racist (laughs) (laughs) is like I think when I knew that this show was about to be my new favorite thing (laughs) and then along with just like Olawande and that guy having a like uh these fucking racist moments and he's just like yeah I'm not I'm not fucking in a cage uh the British military is not my fucking friend either so right I get to have a fucking pina colada hang out Yep. Uh, and just, I don't know, like, and like acknowledging that, which is Black Indigenous solidarity, I'm like, is refreshing on, you know, a show not about Indigenous people. Right. So um, I do say that I don't like how none of the Indigenous people have names. I had to like actually go to IMBD to see if anyone had a name and then... Chief Maba was what he's credited as in IMB, on IMBD, but it sounds, like, it sounds like it's also what the name of this tribe is. So it's still kind of like, you, could, you couldn't have got some names for these folks? So like, you know, not really about that part, mm-hmm. but I think in general, surprisingly good job had by all. And then part of it is, of course, that like, as we all know, Taika Waititi is indigenous. Like he's Maori. Ma- so... 
You would hope that being involved in a show like this, he'd be like, oh, no, we're not about to have some stereotypical ass bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Art of Fuckery, where we rant about stuff. Steed starts this pep talk about vacation by saying that there is literally no way that you can mess it up, and then immediately tells Wee John and the Steed that they're doing it wrong, and I call shenanigans because if they want to do vacation by punching each other in the stomach, that's fine. Let them have their vacation. They, they were even saying that they were, in fact, relaxing. Yeah. You know? It also just felt a little bit like children not like that, you know? Yeah. I'm like, come on, just because you want to do vacation by laying flat on the beach doesn't mean that other people want to do vacation that way. Everyone gets joy from different places. (laughs) Just let them be. Yeah. I know. It's actually pretty funny because I think arguably Steed has the least relaxing vacation of them all in this episode. (laughs) True, but I think maybe the most productive vacation because he really does come away a changed man. That is true. So much more confident than he started his vacation. That's true. L- literally haunted when he started his vacation. and He has come away unburdened. Mm-hmm. So we get our first meeting of Izzy Hands and, of course, Ivan and Fang, part of Blackbeard's crew. And what I love about this is that and this is another point someone brought up on the internet, is that, you know, Izzy Hands is in a different pirate genre than Steed and the Revenge Crew. And he doesn't quite yet realize that he's about to be in a historic AU romantic, like, fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just funny to see him, like, interact with, like, the fuck is happening, you know? <laughs> um and it's just i don't know i feel like deeply interested in this sort of uh unraveling of izzy as someone who's not genre savvy who is like trying to figure out what why his universe no longer makes sense and like this is the start of it yeah and a thing that i think is really interesting about that too is that I think he maybe already has been in a different genre than everyone else because like, you know, him and Ivan and Fang, they all look really like tough and they're wearing leather and like, you know, they are complaining at the end about how they like wanted to do killing. But also like Ivan and Fang are very immediately shown to be very soft. Like, I don't know, the way that Ivan reacts to, like, getting his nose broken is, like, very untough pirate. And then, like, Fang complaining about Izzy grabbing his beard at the end. And, like, he's like, it really hurts. And Ivan's like, you should say something about it. It's like, no one is on the same show that Izzy is on. Like, even his own crew are, like, (laughs) tender, just, like, sweet. They Like, they belong on the revenge. They don't belong wherever it is that Izzy is and that's why they're so ready to mutiny against him yeah is he is he is in a much darker grittier hbo pirate show yeah. um and doesn't realize the rules are changing and it's freaking him out because it's like no i'm in a grim dark hbo show and it's like oh uh, actually you're in a fluffy romantic comedy hbo show sorry my dear yeah yeah exactly god i love them them being Ivan and Fang. I know. <laughs> just like 
I love that we don't leave this episode before establishing that, like, they also are as tender as the, like, the crew that we've gotten to know over the past two episodes. I mean, I don't think we meet a character as emotionally repressed as Izzy at all in this show. Like, this whole show is about sort of unfurling of your emotions and, like, tenderness and vulnerability. And Izzy just has that shit locked down. Yeah, just him and the the badmintons, I think, are the yeah. only ones who are as up that uptight. Yeah. Um, we get, I believe, our first instance of you know where the shipping of Wee John and Frenchie comes in with them having this blowing stuff up party on the beach, which is adorable. They're having the fucking time of their lives. Yes, they're so cute together, and I wholeheartedly endorse the ship especially because people call them wee 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 shut up <laughs> <laughs> oh geez. some t- uh i just i really love fandom sometimes that is yeah. fucking hilarious yeah. um for anyone who's a little lost the second we is spelled the french yes way o-u-i it's so great anyway that scene just fills my heart with joy i know i'm really glad we get more of their like relationship later when they're like sharing a room and they're like we're gonna have a plan we're gonna have all this and it's just like <laughs> they're so, so excited about their nook yeah. i know it's uh and it, it makes me just like want to like scratch my face because it's so good it's just yeah. like oh my god i can't contain in my body how adorable that is um yeah, I'm just here for the fact that there are n- n- no one is heterosexual in this crew. Mm-hmm. Um, here's one of the best things I have found on the internet about observations about the show that I've seen on the internet. Um, is someone said that it had to be Lucius who found Jim because everyone else on the crew would have just assumed that Jim had turned into a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, yes, that is a hunt. that is so that is the most accurate thing. Uh yeah, they would have just been like, oh my god. I know. Oh my god. I like wanna cry. It's so fucking funny. Anyway, um deep breath. Um Something about the fact, so Buttons is naming all these sea creatures, and something about the fact that Buttons knows Latin names for sea creatures but can't read is, like, so incredible to me. Honestly, that whole bit is uh, pretty funny, uh, especially because uh, neither Alaska or the Loch Ness Monster were discovered. I mean, Alaska, quote-unquote. Alaska, Alaska was always there, but... It was not named. It was not yeah. named Alaska. It was Alaska. not named Alaska yet. Yes. Yeah. Um, so honestly, that whole bit with the fish is pretty funny. And now that I think of it, is basically, he's just basically saying half of like Rock Lobster, the song. <laughs> All right. So my last rant is a just, okay. So Lucius is hiding from Jim. By, like, sneaking around the hull of the ship. And it's, like, the one place that Jim can get you is when you're alone in the hull of the ship. Why did he not just, like, 
stay in the sight of another crew member. This is so impractical. What a silly boy. It really is. Listeners, Jesse is nodding. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like, the gays are very impractical. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is very, it is very funny. Unless he's like going to like go hide out in, in Steed's room. Oh, maybe. Even though it's like, you could have waited until Steed was there or anyone was there. Right. This is our first time having this segment. So welcome to And They Were Co-Captains, where we talk about (laughs) sexy stuff. (laughs) Uh, And they were co-captains. Yeah, I... Just that little awkward moment between Jim and Alawande is just so incredibly awkward and cute. And they're like, actually, we're going to do separate things today. It's so good. And the fact that it gets followed up on, too, where the the man that I'm calling the therapist is like, oh, you're in love. <laughs> I just love that Alawande says, what? No, shut up. <laughs> like, baby. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like I don't I don't have a huge crush. I don't know what you're talking about. We're just mm-hmm. buds. Um, which is also gay culture. <laughs> yeah. It sure is. <laughs> All right, the only other thing that I have here is something that I had not thought about until I think earlier today when I saw something on Instagram about it, someone pointing out that the first thing that Izzy Hands does upon meeting Steed Bonnet is take his shirt off. For no reason. Not, no, like, he doesn't, it's not like he's cutting Steed as a threat or a, like, warning. He just shreds his shirt for no fucking reason. Uh-huh. Uh, which is why, folks, that we are 110% on the train that uh, Izzy Hands invented homophobia in this world just to internalize it. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Welcome to The Crystals Attract Demons, where we talk about science and history and stuff. So we're going to have our history lesson of the episode. Okay. We get this, we start with this story from Black Pe- about Blackbeard. And, you know, he says Blackbeard's head is made of smoke when he wants it to be. So according to, I remind you, the only history book that we will be using, which is a written for middle schoolers, very poorly created book called The Short and Bloody History of Knights, Spies, and Pirates. Um, I have some information for you. Mm, Okay. According to legend, this is almost certainly not true, which is also stated in the book. This is like this quote-unquote history writer from the 1700s almost certainly made this up. But the legend of Blackbeard stated that when he was in fighting mode, he would weave hemp cords soaked in saltpeter and lime water into his hair and beard and light them. In doing so, he'd surround his massive head with an eerie glow and thick black smoke. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What What a fuckery of the highest order. Exactly. Yes. So... That is actually based in real fake history. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then my other thing is just that in this episode, we get our first example of how wounds are just like not a big deal in this world because this man who had his whole hand fucking stabbed uh, is able to give Steed the middle finger with the stabbed hand. And so it's just like, here's what you need to know is that knife wounds do not work how you expect them to work in the world of our flags. Flag means death. And I think that's great. Yeah, I feel like the only maybe sort of historically accurate wound stuff is when Lucius's finger gets infected, they have to cut it off because it's before antibiotics. Yes, but the way that the cutting off goes, <laughs> the way that the infection yes. goes are so far from Oh, yeah, real. yeah. Like him cutting his own finger <laughs> off is like, so. Yeah, we'll talk about that later, but. I know, what a, what a magical world this is. <laughs> it's so great. Welcome to Petrified Orange, where we do a lightning round of our new favorite things. My first new favorite thing is that when naming the sea creatures, Buttons names a jellyfish and says that jellyfish stings will send you into a tunnel of despair, which as someone with a serious fear of jellyfish, I found very validating. So it's one of my new favorite things. (laughs) Uh, okay, so my first thing is that in on the stereotypical French ship, Black Pete is like, finally, the world will have access to good bread or whatever the yeah. quote is. And as an American, this is correct. The best bread that I've ever had <laughs> was in was in Paris. Sorry, Americans. It just you, whatever it is, you just, we just can't compare. So. Yep. Same. My other new favorite thing is the line delivery from fang of i'm your king now bitch (laughs) (laughs) so good oh um i think my uh my last thing is that uh we have this indigenous tribe inventing the pina colada um and giving one to alawande who was like this is great it's like in a coconut too Mm mm-hmm you know, just having having a drink, looking at white people in cages. It's just very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Gay Pirate Podcast. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the Gaily Prophet, and join our Patreon if you want to celebrate Hot Pirate Summer with us. That's Patreon.com/slash the Gaily Prophet. That's all the things I have to say. So until next time, farewell, Bonnet's Playthings. <laughs> <laughs>